everyone and welcome to Quality Talks. I'm Kathy Balding and today it is my great pleasure to introduce you to Mel Wittick from Western Health in Victoria. Hi Mel, nice to see you. Hi Kathy, thanks for having me. Ah, that is my great, great pleasure. So Mel, I'm going to let you tell us why we're here, why I'm here talking to you. What is the achievement that we're here to talk about today? Today what I'd like to talk about is my work, which our ward has done on a subacute ward at Western Health. We're a 30-bed unit with both GEM, which is a geriatric and evaluation management unit, rehab and also transitional care patients, and our work around preventing pressure injuries. Fantastic. Now, I have heard that you are quite famous around the traps these days for your work (laughs) on pressure injuries because you're not only preventing them well you're going beyond that aren't you so what have you done so what we've done is back in 2013 we were identified as a high risk ward we had 12 serious injuries within a 12 month period with our vulnerable patients we were identified and we rolled out a program called skins with the help of cole our wound clinical nurse consultant and that was a six-week program where Our primary focus was pressure injury prevention as a holistic approach, which took in nutrition, incontinence, movement of the patient, the skin, supporting the skin, and nutrition. Right. You had an issue. Yes. Why did you decide to take a holistic approach and not just keep doing what you were doing and hoping that it would get better? Because we were failing our patients and causing harm. Okay. And being pressure injury yeah. is one of the top five adverse outcomes, unfortunately, for patients yeah. that they can suffer. We really needed to do something about it and not just accept what we were delivering, the type of care that we were delivering. Right. So it was time for a change. Absolutely. A real change. Okay. Absolutely. So you pulled together this holistic approach. It's easy to want to change, perhaps from a management perspective. But bringing staff on board can be tricky. So how did you go about that? So what we did was I actually put an expression of interest out to the staff on the ward and made it quite personal that it could have been their father, grandfather, brother in that bed with a pressure injury that was caused by us not providing the best care to our patients. So with with the staff who, who were passionate about pressure injury care and prevention, they actually formed a working group which worked alongside Cole and they actually started to make changes amongst themselves because I only work Monday to Friday right? during day shift. Yep. So I'm relying on my ANAMS, clinical nurse specialists and all my other staff that work the remainder of the shifts to carry out what we were wanting to do. So it was really important to target people who were interested, not just forcing people yep. to make a part, to be a part of this change. Yeah. So, and that's, it's such an obvious thing when you say it that, well, of course we're 24 hours, but often I find with quality improvement type initiatives, we only think about office hours. But you clearly understood right from the beginning that this had to be a whole of shift, whole of every shift, whole of week approach. As well as whole of the multidisciplinary team. Ah, It couldn't just be nursing as well. No. So how did you get the other disciplines involved? So what we did was with the launch of Skins... The working group actually put together a take on the Simpsons. Oh, yeah. And it was called the Simpskins, <laughs> which actually I got quite emotional watching it because they did this all behind 
closed doors. I had no idea what they were doing. We had this big launch day and put it on and it was just amazing. Wow. We also have got grade three allied health staff at Williamstown and I spoke to them about what we're wanting to achieve on our ward. They were involved also in education and we've also got them to explain to the rotating staff that come through what's expected when it comes to pressure injuries, falls and what processes we've got on the ward. Right. Our medical staff have put together or revamped an old orientation manual and that's also got um, information around what we do pressure injury wise as well as the graduate nurses that come rotating through our ward they've got an orientation manual as well right, right. as well as new staff yeah and orientation manuals they're good but clearly you need a lot more than that to get action don't you so what was it that you you did with staff to actually get them to start doing things a different way so we had lots of meetings and lots of varied communication tools so whether it was a sign up in the toilet because everyone needs to go to the toilet. I found that very, very handy. <laughs> we also had um, regular nurse meetings, like ward meetings, staff meetings, um, allied health business meetings, just involving everyone about the change and what we needed to do to improve our care. Right. So you pulled together, as you said, that holistic approach. So you you had a whole lot of tools and, and methods yes. uh, to take that, that nice broad view of pressure injury prevention. So did you put that into a package? Was that the Simp Skins? Was that the package of tools and approaches? Yes. Yeah, okay. And then you have to actually help people to use that package. That's so, right. So, so what did you do apart from, obviously you did lots of talking. Yes. But what did you do apart from that to get people to actually start using something new and doing something different? So we went through and got rid of any items that were no longer deemed appropriate. Yeah. We went through a standard skincare regime of skincare products people were educated on them they were using them on themselves like to feel to see what it was and um, we had some good and bad feedback with that so we made some changes with those mm -hmm. uh, we eradicated any creams that were on our impress system in the medication room that were no longer deemed suitable for skincare so you got rid of the old way which yes. is a classic change management strategy yes um and, and a really important one and something we often forget i think you know i'm really happy to hear that you did that what about helping people do things a new way was there training we had training yeah. there were six weeks of solid training it was just our sole focus so there were three sessions each week of those six weeks with the same education session run because we have a lot of part-time staff on our ward there's only seven full-timers oh, okay. so that was a challenge trying to get everyone to attend education sessions as well as unite staff yeah so that's where over those six weeks everyone became educated we also had a lot of the powerpoints on the shared drive so anyone could access them at any time and there were hard copies as well and it was expected with all the talk that was going on the ward that staff would actually become engaged and take like move forward with what we were wanting to do. Yeah. We also had a launch date, so there was the 19th of November 2013. <laughs> yes. That was our launch date of our new way of working with regards to pressure injury. So right. everyone was geared up six weeks prior to that, focusing on what we needed to do and learn and change leading up to there. Yeah, fantastic. So what 
happened after the launch date when people were expected, as you said, there was a, a real expectation there that people would approach things in a new way, use the, the package. What if someone didn't? What if someone reverted to the old way or didn't like some of the new items in the package and didn't or didn't agree with them? Did that happen? We didn't have a great deal of that happen on the ward because staff really were shocked that pressure injuries just shouldn't happen. Uh -huh. Falls are trickier, but pressure injuries really, the ones that we had reviewed in the last 12 months, well, there were gaps within our nursing care, which was quite blatant. And that's another absolute classic change strategy. You really made the case for change. There was no doubt in anyone's mind that this was an important change to make. So the why was very clear to people. Yes. And as you say, when you've got that, you don't get so much pushback. No, and it was people that were willing to make that change as well. We've had other projects on the ward that haven't worked. They were quite prescriptive. We didn't have much leeway in how we could adapt them to our ward, and they unfortunately failed, whereas this was a lot more relaxed in its approach yeah. and we could tailor it to what we needed to do. And it was just, as I said, the six weeks were just solely focused on pressure injuries. Yes. So we couldn't get distracted with anything else organisationally or divisionally. Yeah. That's a really interesting point you make there, that some changes and, and some quality improvements are imposed mm. and they can be imposed with very little flexibility. True. And... You, you're obviously a classic case of of showing us that that's probably not a very good way to go. You know, when you had you had a very clear idea of what you wanted to achieve, but you had the flexibility because you designed it to make it work for you. Do you think that that was a big advantage for you? With definitely, the definitely. And it wasn't easy. We had um, a tally on our skins board, which had our number of pressure injury free days. So the ward set a target of 40 because the gem ward upstairs, which is also 30 beds, they set theirs at 30. So uh -huh. we were launched on the same day. Right. So there was a bit of a competition, which who was going to get to what target first. Yes, yeah. And, and a bit of competition it, is also a nice thing to have in a change. It is true yeah. and can be frustrating when you <laughs> when, get beaten. When you're not the winner. Yes, that's exactly right, which we were not on many occasions. Is that so? So we did oh. have a lot of challenges. Yeah. We would. It took us a couple of times to get to 40 days when we had pressure injuries develop on the ward. Yeah. And what we did was we, as a multidisciplinary team, we discussed all those injuries and identified the gaps. Right. And then worked on them and made some other changes. So some of the changes have been patients would come across from the acute sector and nobody would check their wounds on admission. Then you would check them the next day and then you may find something quite sinister be, underneath them. Be a bit late, too late. Yes, yeah. so now on admission, it doesn't matter what time of the day, usually we have our admissions no later than sort of 9 or 10 o'clock at night unless there's been delays with transport. But yeah. all wounds are opened and we get consent and take photos of them. So we've got a baseline because that was another issue that we had mm, yeah. with a vascular patient, two vascular patients mm. that came in and the progress notes didn't reflect what the actual limbs looked like. So the doctors had their description, nurses had their description. The next day there was something new there. Now oh, whether wow. it was there or not, we I can't say mm. either way. Yeah. So now we take photos of our wounds so we've got a baseline and we can also then see how they're improving as opposed to deteriorating on the ward. There's your next fantastic change strategy, 
a shared understanding mm. of where you are and where you're starting from. So important because, it as is. you said, without the photo, people have different perspectives of what the issue are, issues are or what the problems are, and it's hard to yes. bring everyone together on the same page, isn't mm-hmm. it, and get them then to work together. So did you find having that really definitive data that said, okay, this is this is a situation this patient is in, this is where we're starting, did you find that that helped bring people together? Absolutely. And now we get lots of photos of our patients' wounds, not just pressure injuries, yep. any kind of wounds that they have on their ward yep. or any areas of concern if it is pressure-related upon admission. We, also, we finally did get to the 40 days, yes. which was great yes. for a few attempts. And then I'll, we were just randomly, depending on the type of week we were having, I would just go out and get a cake from Coles and just put like 73 days when we got to 73 days yep. in Smarties just to acknowledge all our hard work. We did have big celebrations for 50 and 100, which was nice. And we have been recognised by exec on a number of occasions, which is also rewarding. I'll stop you there. Two more change strategies I'm noticing here. So <laughs> you didn't give up. Even when it was hard to get to 40, you That's... learned from why you'd had a, a, a new pressure injury. Yes. And you used that knowledge to keep going. So that's absolutely fantastic. And you celebrated. You celebrated your milestones, celebrated your wins, both incredibly important things to do. We certainly did. And Very food-driven. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Health, health runs yes. on, on stomach stuff. Yes. Certainly does. So at what stage did you think, oh, I think we might be onto something pretty seriously good here? Was it when you got to 100 days? Well, it took us a couple of times to get to 100. We'd hit sort of the 87, which they say is, I think, a cricketer's bad number. It's the 13 runs up behind. So we did that a couple of times. Oh, did Um, you? We did. So then we started back again. Mm. But that was the main thing that we would reboot and start back again so it wasn't sort of just give up it's too hard we don't need to worry about it anymore it's not working it was just really important to make sure we understood what the gaps were Mm -hmm. so another one was we identified that patients would come across to us but we had very limited supplies of pressure relieving mattresses Mm -hmm. so what we did was I developed a cheat sheet so anyone could order an air mattress once you got verbal handover. Right. So you didn't have to wait for a long bureaucratic process. No, we didn't. It was just, there was a plan, a flow Flow chart chart, of who to contact, when, what information you needed. And then more often than not, the patient would arrive with an air mattress already on the ward. So you smoothed the path. Another important change strategy. You made it as easy as possible for people to do the right thing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's just so important, isn't it? Because it's one thing to say, oh, well, we must get pressure relieving mattresses, but to make it easy for people to do, that's a whole different ballgame. At what point, Mel, did you feel as a leader that it was really hard to pick people up again after you'd got so far and then had a pressure injury? Did it ever get to a point where you thought, oh, I don't think I can pick them up and start again? We got to 319 days Woo. and then sustained a pressure injury, oh, yeah. which again on a vascular patient, uh, which we identified what the gap was and we just started again. And that's where I can't stress enough that learning from the mistakes and being honest of what you find yeah. 
and working as a team because at the end of the day it takes a whole team to look after a patient it's not just nursing even though we're there the majority of the time we have consultants who will come in and while they're assessing patients they'll get them to reposition themselves in the chair and move around or allied health staff who will go in and get them to move the patient so they're not just sitting there while they're doing their assessments nursing staff are not just waiting for an AM shift to do a skin check. If they're going, taking them to the toilet, they'll check their bony prominences discreetly while they're doing the yeah. task. So that's it's smart working, isn't it? Yes. You know, it's incorporating it into the everyday. So there's your next fantastic change strategy. Make it part of what people do, not some extra thing that they have to remember yes. or make extra time for or that they miss out on doing something else because they have to fit this in. And so that's obviously a real secret, isn't it, that it you manage to integrate it into the routines. Oh, and it's even like with the um, patient services assistants, mm. they clean all the mattresses and take all the rentals off and they know they all need to go in my office so they can get picked up quickly or things get delivered to my office. So everyone knows where devices need to be. Every, everyone's got, it doesn't matter what your role is on the ward, it's a vital role into ensuring that we do our best for our patients. And and that, so that, that shared responsibility? Yes. Important change strategy. Clear roles. Yes. Everyone knew what their role was and everyone shared that responsibility. It wasn't mm-hmm. just, oh, well, whatever nurse is on, that'll be their problem if exactly. something happens. That exactly. It becomes right. all of your problem. Yes. And your success is all of your success. So, Mel, did you ever think wow, you know, we're doing something amazing here? Or what was the, kind of the feeling on the ward when, when you started really ticking over a lot of days? So let's talk about where you are in terms of days now. So at the moment, we got to 525 days. Wow. As of yesterday. Yes. But we did sustain a stage one injury on a vascular patient, unfortunately, yesterday. So I have come at a really good and a really not so good time for you. Yes, you could say that. <laughs> kind of both because, once again, you're seeing it as an opportunity for learning and may I tell our listeners that Mel is still smiling. Yes, <laughs> yes. Despite that she's not crying. No. But 500 and, oh, I can hardly believe you even got over one year, let alone, I mean, you're, you were heading for two years. Yes, yeah. we were. Incredible. So one year there was a lot of pressure I did feel from a network perspective that all eyes were on our wards so we did have a tally board where we would uh, update the numbers of the days and coming sort of from 340 days onwards we just left it alone we didn't really focus okay we just wanted to go about our business not make such a big deal to then distract us from what we actually were wanting to achieve which is not harming our patients so that's an interesting point isn't it because I was wondering about that at what point does the pressure to perform become a bit counterproductive mm. that it starts to distract people? You manage that by getting to a point and then st- saying, well, we're not going to put that up anymore. We're not going to put the yes. numbers up anymore. Yep. Is that we're right? just going to keep going yeah. and I would get risk mans. Like I would have received notification if we did get a pressure injury before yep. then. So then we just wanted to keep going with our work because everyone sees it on the ward. There's lots of comments you get from people, visitors, uh, ambulance officers. Really? Police, we've had comment when they came to, to visit a patient on the ward saying, you know, what does that number mean? It's like, oh, my goodness. It's, <laughs> it's fantastic. So we just yeah. wanted to downplay it a bit just yeah. to keep going. Yes, yeah. I guess, too, that 
might have helped integrate it, did it? Once once it stopped becoming a thing, yes. did it help integrate it more into, well, this is it's, just how we do it our business? It certainly did. Yeah. And okay. now the culture has really changed on the ward as well. We have a very, very high retention rate. Mm-hmm. Not many people leave. So we not have many resignations. Yeah. Um, it's not a very sexy type of ward to nurse mm-hmm. on, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. So sometimes graduates aren't that keen to come to our ward but by the end of their rotation they're almost wanting a job there just a great culture on the ward now and I do believe that working together with this project and changing the way we work and care for our patients has made a massive impact on the culture on the ward all right so that's a really interesting comment let me pick up on that a little bit sure Do, do you know why that is have you got any thoughts about how how focusing on pressure injuries which you wouldn't think would make that much difference to a culture mm-hmm. has made such a difference the staff are proud we had an anum at the one year celebration uh she's been there 25 years say a speech to all of us and how she used to be ashamed of saying where she worked really she said she wouldn't she was never wanting to say where she worked uh, whenever she went to education sessions, uh, she really, she did her work but didn't really enjoy her work. Uh, it was, there were times on the ward prior to my time mm. that were very challenging, uh, a lot of EFT deficits mm. and just sort of... Hard, hard yeah, yakka. Very hard. Yeah, because when, when healthcare's hard, it's really hard, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. It certainly is. Yeah. And now she says she wants to shout from the rooftop where she works and when she goes to sessions and she'll say oh you know Waku or ground floor at Williamstown they're like oh that's Mal's ward oh that's the pressure injury for you know so and she's like yes you know she's <laughs> really proud now sort of ruffles her feathers that and is lovely here we are there's another great change strategy allow people to take pride in their work absolutely and and give them something to be proud about and engage them in something about uh, that makes them look good and feel good. Yeah, I think we underestimate that in health a lot. I mm-hmm. think there's a bit of just get on and do your job. That should be enough. But everyone's human. Yes. And everyone likes to feel special. And everyone likes to feel like they've achieved something mm-hmm. fantastic. And as you say, it's made such a difference for you. You didn't set out to have that outcome. Absolutely not. But that's I what you got. would never have dreamed of what we've achieved. No. And I still don't. Believe, I, I do believe it, but I, I don't, just because I think it's something that we need to do as nurses, yeah. as healthcare professionals, is not cause harm to our patients. It should be just day in, day out work. But we've managed to do something amazing. Yes, it is. <laughs> I don't know how many change strategies I've counted off now, but quite a few. And and another one there is that, you know, it's a great saying that I love people support what they help to create yes and and they are supporting this because they created it absolutely you didn't walk in one day and say now we're going to do this no no, no, no definitely big not. lesson there however Mel I bet that took a bit longer to get going than if you had just come in and said this is what we're going to do it certainly has yeah. we started in 2013 yeah so yeah. we're 2017 now yes um, we have yeah. had lots of days being pressure injury free but it has taken a long time one of the other things i think in health we forget because of the complexity we forget how long things take not everything happens 
just because we want it to. No, that's or we, right. Or we decide we're going to change and then we think, well, that should just happen. It didn't, so we failed. No, you've no. you, you really got to keep at it, don't you? And that's what we'll do now. Mm. We've got our numbers down. We're back to zero. Yes. So we're rebooting and going forward again. Away just, you go again. Just after we did the 319 days, we yes. then managed to get to 525 after that. Just for the, the technicians out there, the people who are interested in the technical side of this, yes. what have you found about prevention of pressure injuries? What have you learned that you didn't know before? What are like the really key things? If you were teaching someone, mm -hmm. what are the really, really key things you would say you have to do to prevent pressure injuries? Know your patients and know them well. You need to make sure that they're eating and drinking well, that if they are incontinent, that they've got the right continence products on. Watching their skin, checking their skin, not just for a skin check, but incidentally, like if you're taking them for a walk mm -hmm. yep. or taking them to the toilet, yep. checking elbows, turning them in bed and so forth, right. using skincare products. Yes, okay. Yeah, And I guess you've been experimenting with yes. what works and what doesn't. So you're obviously, that, that gives you an advantage now that you've yes. been through that process. So that's yep. fantastic. So we yeah. use um, menolin products yep. at Western Health. Yeah, right. Which okay. has got barrier creams cleaning foams and so forth. Okay. And that was a trial and error thing, wasn't yeah, it? That was through what the worked? wound, uh, Cole okay. Kilmer, the wound nurse consultant. Right. Okay. She had arranged them yes. to make it standard across yeah. the whole network. Yeah. Also looking at devices that you can have on the ward and that there are varying types of mattresses. We only use three cell mattresses, mm -hmm. not the two cell one. So every third cell they keep moving. Yes. We also have Equigel cushions which are our own stock on the ward, and we can hire Roho cushions. So it's just making sure you've got the appropriate devices, but at the end of the day, you could have all the devices. You still need to move your patient and check your patient. That's you need right. that interaction. That's right. And you have to them. use the devices appropriately, yes. don't you? It's not enough just to say we've got all these great things, and it's not enough for 10% of your staff to be using them well. That's exactly right. Everyone's we, got to. We had an incident, one of our injuries that we learnt from, that when we do a lot of bed moves, so we don't have males and females in the same room. We've only got single rooms or double rooms. We had moved a gentleman out of a male-female room into a single room but didn't realise that the mattress defaults to an 80-kilo setting, which was far too hard, firm for him, which he had a scratch to his back area, lower back, which then developed into an injury. Mm because the mattress was too hard, but we didn't know that they defaulted. So that was more learnings. Yeah. So it's just you could have all the fancy equipment. Yes. But And you've got to pay attention to those things too. That's exactly yeah, right. Yeah, you obviously did the thinking around that to figure out what had gone wrong. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. it was too late. Yeah. It had already gone wrong. Yes. And I think the most important thing is just ensuring that all the team members are involved and, and that involvement, we touched on it before, but you know, let me just drill down on that a little bit. Mm -hmm. You make it sound like it was super easy, but it's not always super easy to involve everyone, oh, definitely particularly not. with different shifts and people on part-time. And I mean, that's, that's really hard. And different to disciplines. Do. Different disciplines. I mean, ex got, exactly. Not control, but I'm in charge of nurses. Yeah. But allied health and medical staff. Different kettle of fish. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so what, what, what did you find worked? for you to bring them in and make them feel that they had that equal part and that equal responsibility? 
at the beginning of their rotation, sitting down with them and having a chat with them. Mm-hmm. That was that's what I've found has worked. Yes, we've got orientation manuals, as I'd said previously, but you've got to hope that they read them. Mm-hmm. And then act on them. Absolutely. So I find just that personal conversation, sitting down with them and talking about it. Also, all the other staff talk about it as well. Yes. So they really can't hide from it. No, I think that's something we underestimate the power of in health because it's a great peer thing, healthcare. There's a lot of peer Mm -hmm. review, informal peer review. It's formal, obviously. But there's a lot of informal peer review as people work side by side, isn't there? There is. And if you can get people encouraging each other and reminding each other and helping each other because they're all on the same page about what needs to happen, that's so powerful. Now, you must have had that happen. Oh, absolutely. We'd have occupational therapists saying, look, that Roho cushion, I think that they need, the patient needs a high one, not the low one that you've ordered. This air mattress isn't working or can you help me move this pa-? Like We do work together quite well. Yeah. And how does that work in terms of, you know, we're very hierarchical in healthcare. How does that work in terms of an OT saying to a nurse, oh, no, that's that's the wrong thing. That's not going to work. And not having the nurse say, well, when I want your opinion, I'll ask for it. <laughs> How did you manage that? So with that, myself, I yes, I'm the nurse unit manager, but I see myself as a nurse first. So there is nothing stopping me from coming out of my office on a CAD day, showering a patient when I can, taking a confused patient into my office to give the other staff a break. Staff see you doing things and understand their frustrations or their workload better. I find that really has made a massive difference and it's the same with the allied health staff. So we'll have physio staff liaising with the nurses saying, okay, I'm thinking of getting up room 5A now. Is it a good time? Is it not? Mm -hmm. And the nurses say, well, no, I'm stuck doing medications in room 6. So we do talk a lot on our ward and it has taken some time and through this process of the pressure injury work that we've done, that has improved it greatly. Yes, yes. So that's interesting, isn't it? Once again, let me pick out a couple of the great mm-hmm. strategies there for change. Leading by example. Yes. So you don't just sit in your office and say, no. do those things. No, no, definitely <laughs> no. not. So very, very important in healthcare, I think. Yes. People, people believe what they see. Yes. And it's good that they see that. And I think that's absolutely just so important in healthcare leadership. Once again, I, I think that shared goal, mm-hmm. and um, it's been implicit in everything we've said in, in, in this discussion, but to be explicit about it, everyone understands what you're trying to achieve and everyone understands without any ambiguity, they're all clear, this is what we're all trying to do. And once again, I think we often underestimate that. I often hear people saying, oh, no, no, they, they know what we're trying to do and I'll go and ask the, the they and the they will say, well, that's not what I thought we were doing. And, mm-hmm. and we can talk at cross purposes so easily in healthcare. You know, we're not always great communicators. Yes. So that clarity, I think, must have been so important. It was, and it's actually extended onto falls as well. So we've tried some new falls alarms because our patients were removing the ones that we originally had and still falling. So you could have a fall alarm beeping and a allied health assistant will go and ask that patient to sit down. Right. It's not just waiting for a nurse or a nurse that could hear it to go or even that allocated nurse 
to go and attend to her patient. Anyone, the ward clerk will get people to sit down or everyone just works really well together. Shared responsibility. It has, and it's taken time to get to that point. So I guess, as with any change, you'd have some early adopters. There would have been some early people who were right on board and Mm -hmm. wanting to, to have that shared responsibility and work together, and then others who possibly waited to see how things went. Yes. And then when that was seen to be a good thing and a positive thing, joined in. Were there people that you had to say, now this is the way we do things here and I'm not really seeing that you're totally on board with this? Did you have to have some of those conversations? I did have to have some of those conversations, especially with the staff who don't work very often. Mm. You know, it's important that people hear you say that because... Often people will hear a discussion like this and say, oh, well, but I'm sure all, all male staff, we're just totally on board. But life's, no, not, life's no, not like definitely that. Definitely not. No, no. No. What tack did you take then with them? With them, I'd sit down with them and just have a chat with them and find out exactly what their concerns were. We'd have forums where people, um, I'd put bits of paper up on the board in the tea room and we talk about challenges, what they're facing at the moment, and sometimes there'd be lots, sometimes mm-hmm. there'd be none, there'd be solutions sometimes that they'd put forward, um, whether they worked or not. Sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't. Mm-hmm. But it was just about listening to them mm. yeah, and then being able to work with what their ideas and issues were mm-hmm. to what we were trying to achieve. And yeah. I think it's also when you've got the majority on board you've got those key people everyone else does sort of follow yes yes the key people yes and the key people are not always the people with the titles no are they no they're not if they're not the people with the titles who are they who what makes a person influential on a ward or in a team for me it's the staff that just get in and do the work there's mm. not a lot of talking about things they're just in there providing the best care that they can mm-hmm. for the patients and also looking at opportunities of how we could do things better as well. So it's not just, none of this is all set in stone. So we're always open for new ways of working, for yeah. improving the care that we're delivering. Yes. And every staff member's got that opportunity. I mean, there was talk that they wanted to turn my office into an observation room and stick mattresses on a floor for our high floors. Oh, really? But I said, unfortunately, that's not possible Mm. um so sometimes you do get some you have to draw a line somewhere sometimes there's a lot of out of the box thinking which is great yeah and i don't discourage that because there might be just that one idea yeah that could work yeah but not everything can be done either (laughs) no No, you do need an office yes because it's got got all the other devices in it that's right (laughs) (laughs) so what do you think in terms of you know let's go back just to culture for a minute before Mm -hmm. we wrap up how do you maintain that culture? Because cultures come and go. Yeah, you know, even even the worst disasters we've had in any healthcare service, you know, in the world, mm. at one stage were probably pretty good. So things can go up and things can go down. So do you have any particular way of maintaining that positive can-do culture? So what we do is we have, I send out a lot of, probably a couple of times a week, a weekly email of just letting staff know what I'm up to, what meetings I've attended to, what's going on organisationally or divisionally. We've also got a notice board up in the toilet, as I said earlier, (laughs) where I've just got dot points that all staff need to know about, which are relevant. We have opportunities within our ward where we have some staff who work predominantly on weekends, 
So we have ward meetings. One month it's during the week and the next month it'll be on a weekend. So everyone right. has got another avenue to talk. Uh, something I started from a previous role that I had was having an ANUM and the clinical nurse specialist out for dinner oh. every two months. Oh, wow. So we go out in our own time out for dinner and just talk about challenges on the ward because they don't get to get together as a group very often because no. they're always working opposite each other. Of course. So we get together for a couple of hours down at a pub or mm. wherever yeah. and have dinner mm. as well as talk about things that are going on the ward. Fantastic. And it's not about staffing issues. It's more processes yep. and how we can work better. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. So you've got a number of things happening, but one of the great things you do, and here's another great change strategy, <laughs> You keep people in the loop. Yes. And you know the research, you didn't need to see the research because you just you just knew. <laughs> but the research says that it's one of the things that people in organisations want the most. They want to be in the loop. They want to know what's going on. Yes. You know, when their boss disappears, it's nice to know where they are. Absolutely. You know, if they're at this meeting or they're talking to this executive or whatever it is or they're at this training or whatever they're doing, you know, it's nice to have... Um, you know, something on, on the notice board or something at the meeting that engages people in the, oh, we've got an issue with this. What do mm -hmm. you think about it? Mm -hmm. You know, which is that lovely sort of what I call the cornerstone of great change, which is start where they are. Yes. Find out where they are, where their thinking is about this issue or this thing you need to do and work from there. And that's exactly what you said mm -hmm. before. And well, we it's, a, it's a key cornerstone of change, but so few people do it. Yeah, we had a lot of staff that didn't use email. Oh. When I first started. Oh, really? Yep. So it's like, well, how do I communicate? How do you keep people in the loop? Exactly. Yeah. So I started a folder and printing out emails and then gave them time right. to learn about emails. Yep. And then slowly that folder got less and less okay. and then finally... You didn't need it. Got rid of the Fantastic. folder. So it's yeah. just learning yeah. and knowing your staff as well. Yeah, knowing them and yeah, starting where they are. Yes. And working with where they are. That's exactly right. Yep. But being clear about where you want to go. That's as well. Very you know? true. Yeah. We've got a number report that I fill in for my operational manager. Yep. And that is all up in my office. Yep. Anyone can come in and read it. There's no secrets as to what's in there. It's got all our quality indicators, finance reports, yep. personal leave and so forth all in there. Yep. So staff have gone in to read it just to see where we're at. Yep. Yep. That's good because it, it that's saying... It, this is not my secret business. Mm. It's saying it's our business. Mm -hmm. You know, we all can con contribute to these results, to these figures, to this a information. Absolutely. And when you yeah. attend a lot of meetings and you're on a lot of committees, it's important that they know what you're going to. Yeah. I mean, there might be details you can't disclose. Sure. Majority but of the time, there is a lot, and they're interested to know what's going on. Of course, I exactly right. I think we often underestimate that. Yes. So, Mel, if you were whisked out from your job let's say for a month and you were taken off to train 10 brand new nums in a new hospital that was opening they said let's get mel to train the nums <laughs> <laughs> what would you teach them in the first day what would be the absolute key things num to num to try and set them up right from the beginning to create a great culture and to to do some of the things you've been able to do with your team, what would you teach them? I would teach them not to forget that you're a nurse. Mm -hmm. Yes, you are a manager, but you are also a nurse. Right. And you need to be seen on the floor amongst your staff. 
helping where need to be. Making decisions for your patients as well as your staff, making sure it's a safe work environment, that you talk to your staff and listen and have that two-way conversation because I think it's really important if staff don't feel comfortable coming to you, there's a lot you're not going to know about your staff. And then impacts on care because that's what happens, isn't it? Absolutely. And then by the time you figure out that it's had that care impact, things can slip quite quickly, can't they? And that the patient's are people yes they are a diagnosis Mm. they come in with but they're a person and they've got a story so just it is hard I know in acute settings when there's a high turnover of patients but just getting to know them just a little bit just I think make a huge difference yes and and you know there's a another great change strategy right there Mel Information drives understanding, mm. but feelings drive action. Mm. So it's good to understand your patient, mm-hmm. know them clinically, but a little bit of their story, as you said, can change the way people act towards them mm. and care for them. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think also that if there are cha- if you do get challenges and face with challenges, to approach it as a group with all the people that are involved with this challenge or gap in care that's been identified and work together on it. Yes, so don't go and hide in your office and and think, I have to figure all this out by myself. Yes, yes. Which I think a lot of people do. Absolutely. Was a bit of a control freak when I first started, (laughs) but I am getting better now and just letting go and hoping that I've empowered and passed on my experiences and knowledge to nurses and A-numbers who are quite more, a lot more experienced than Mm. me, but like leadership styles so then they can then carry on the work that I'm expecting staff to do in my absence. Yes. Which has happened. Yeah. Um, I was over at 3B for six weeks a year and a half ago mm-hmm. um, as an acting numb there and the ward was travelling okay. Recently I've been away for a couple, nearly a couple of weeks mm-hmm. and the ward just kept ticking over, which I was really proud to see. And that's a bit of an acid test, I think, mm-hmm. that when you're not there, people don't say, oh, phew, now we can go back to the old ways. Now we can relax. Now we can, and, and yes. now we don't have to worry about those high standards. They continue those high standards. They do. And I think probably one of the most important is things take time to change yes. and not to give up. No, and I think you are just such a great example of that tenacity because of the complexity of healthcare, as we said before. Mm. Very, very few things happen in a nice straight line between A and B. Yes. Usually it's more like a maze trying yes. to get from one end to the <laughs> yeah, other. It is. <laughs> it is. But you've got to keep going. That's right. Yeah. You do. Yeah. You can't just give up. And just like we got the injury yesterday, as I said, we've reset. Yeah. Off we go. Away you go. Mm. Any last comments, Mel? Any last piece of advice to those brand new nums in that brand new fictional hospital that you're training? Any message you would leave them with? Just love what you do. For me, I just love my job so much. Yes, it has its challenges. There are good days and bad days, but keep going. Yes, love it and keep going. And I know that here at Western Health, um, you have a a system called Best Care, which is uh, the way that you've defined what high quality care is um, for your patients and striving to achieve it every day for every person. And you're certainly a great example of someone who is doing (laughs) their absolute best to achieve best care for every person. 
So, Mel, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you for your time and your generosity in sharing your experience. Thank you very much, Cathy. You are very welcome and good luck. Keep going. Back to day zero. Yes, that's it. (laughs) I will watch with great interest to see how you go. I'll be sure to keep you posted. (laughs) I would love that. Thanks, Mel. Thank you.